Morning, BCC. It's so lovely to see so many of you back in the building. I'm seeing faces that I haven't seen in over 15 to 18 months, so it's fantastic. And if you're joining us on the live stream, a massive welcome to you as well. Um, it may be your first time, and I just hope you really enjoy uh, the service today and everything that God has for you. So you, as you know, we're in a series through the summer um, all about the encounters with Jesus. And I want to share with you some thoughts and some uh, information that I feel God has shared with me about a particular passage in Mark chapter 4. And this is where Jesus calms the storm. So before we get into that, I just want to sort of set a little bit of a, a scene, a little bit of context. Um, so back in chapter 3 of Mark... The day starts off with um, this interaction with the Pharisees, which was not uncommon because they didn't like anything that Jesus did or said. Um, and in this particular passage, they begin to accuse him of being possessed by Satan because he was delivering people from unclean spirits. And there was also tension with his family because his family were concerned about all the different things that were going on, and they were beginning to wonder if he was slightly out of his mind and wanted him to sort of retreat and come away from the area where he was. But what he did was he went down to the shoreline of the lake, which was something that he loved to do in order to speak to the people, teach them through parables. Um, and he'd sent his disciples off ahead of him to get a boat ready because he knew, as always, crowds would gather and if he gets in the boat and he goes onto the lake, then he puts this little bit of distance between him and the people, and they get to see him properly. But also, which I found out and I didn't understand, was that when you were on the water, your voice carries and is amplified by the water. So he didn't need a sound team, which is just a real bonus, isn't it? So sorry, sound team. Really appreciate you. Um, so that was sort of how the day started. And that brings us to verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. And it says this, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although some other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And I just want to hold it there for a moment. So Lake Galilee is well known for its sudden storms, its severe storms. And this is all because of its location. So it's about 200 meters below sea level, and the air above the lake is very warm. And then all the way around the lake, we have these tall mountains and hills, which have cold air. And as the cold air hits the warm air, it stirs up a storm. And it's described as a violent storm. The word used in the Greek is seismos, where we would get the word seismic, which we talk about earthquakes um, of seismic activity and magnitude. And so this was a storm of hurricane proportions. Um, it was not just a windy day and a very wet day. It was a hurricane. So the boat is filling up with water. Now, I'm no sailor, fisherman, or any expert when it comes to boats and water, but I know water in a boat is not a good idea. Um, I think we're all familiar with the story of Titanic and how that ended up. 
So we have the disciples who have joined Jesus in the boat, and they would have all had different jobs to do. Some would have been rowing with the oars, some would have been dealing with the sails, some would have been steering the boat. And so they have all these waves coming over them and crashing in and wet, and the boat would have been you know, swaying from left to right in all sorts of directions. Um, and that would have been enough to unsettle me and scare me. And I just imagine that they would have been thinking, you know, this is the most difficult situation we've been in. We need to try and salvage something here. Let's try and get some water out of the boat. Anything that they could do to battle this storm and make things right. And one of them, or maybe a couple of them, starts looking around and notices the absence of an individual. Where's Jesus? Has he gone overboard? In all of this tossing and turning, has he been thrown over and we didn't notice? A quick search of the boat reveals that Jesus was at the back, fast asleep, out cold, and at peace. And that is something that would have really annoyed me, if I'm honest. Here I am, trying to get this water out of the boat, scared, uncertain about what's going to happen, and the person who was responsible for us being in the boat in the first place is fast asleep at the back. Let's just switch for a moment and see a bit of a Jesus perspective. So it was his idea that the disciples joined him in the boat because he wanted to cross to the other side. Now, Jesus, as the Son of God, knows all things. He knew that there was a storm coming. He wasn't bothered by that. It didn't deter him from embarking on this journey or inviting the disciples to join him. In fact, he saw it not as a bad thing, but as an opportunity to show the disciples something, maybe to teach them more about himself, maybe to teach them about themselves, but it was an opportunity rather than something to be avoided. And we see his humanity. It had been a very, very long day. In the blistering heat of the sun, he'd been battling with the Pharisees, at tension point with his family. He'd been giving and giving of himself in teaching the multitudes that gathered in front of the lake. And he was tired and he needed a rest. And what was interesting to me about Jesus sleeping was that, again, if I put myself in his position, if I'm asleep on a boat and it just goes like this, I'm going to wake up because I don't handle motion very well let alone a hurricane, you know, blustering through. And yet he was still fast asleep. And we're told that it was the disciples who woke Jesus up. It wasn't the storm. So Jesus is woken up. He gets up. He comes to the edge of the boat. And with authority, he uses his spoken words to rebuke the storm, calm the storm, and it dies down. He didn't join in with the, with the disciples, you know, pass me a bucket, let's get the water out of this boat, and start battling the elements. Instead, he chose not to battle the storm, but to speak to the storm with authority, and then turns around and rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. You see, a storm is something that tests us. It teaches us about ourselves. 
It teaches us about God. It teaches us how we respond to God in certain situations. What do we believe in that moment of difficulty when everything seems to be crashing around us? How faith, is our faith in God strong? Is our trust in God strong at that given point? And in verse 38, it says this, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting. That would have been shouting because they were scared, shouting because there was a lot of noise that they needed to um, have their voice carry above that. And I think they would have been shouting because they were annoyed, because I know I would have done that in that situation. Why is he sleeping? Um, And they say to Jesus, Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? That we're about to die? Don't you care? And I just want to throw in here that maybe the response should have been, not teacher, but Lord, help us. But instead they chose to accuse Jesus of not caring, accuse Jesus of not loving them, not being concerned for them. A few years ago, as a family, we got to um, enjoy a holiday in Egypt. And one of the things that people like to do in Egypt, because of the climate, because of the sea and the clarity of it, is to experience what is beneath the sea. The corals, the fish, all the marine life that you don't get to see normally. And Danny, my husband, wanted to do this. He'd done it before on previous holidays, but he wanted to do this while we were on this trip. And part of me was um, looking forward to the possibility of doing that because I'd not done that before. And the other part of me was scared because I can't swim. I can do a couple of strokes and I'm done. So the thought of being in the sea where my feet can't touch the ground, where I can't reach out and grab the edge of the pool is not something I class as being a good time. So I've got this battle in my head, do I do this, I'm going to miss out if I don't, but I'm too scared, I can't do it, I can't swim like everybody else. So we checked it out, and they explained to us, look, we've got everything prepared for any level of experience that a person might have. So if you're confident, you can just get in the water and do what you want to do. If you want, you can stay on the boat. But we have a third option. So you can put on this big life jacket, There is a man in the water who's going to be your personal lifeguard, and he's also got this massive life ring so that when you get in the water, you can just reach out, grab onto the ring, and you'll be fine. You'll be floating, and you can enjoy the experience like everybody else. So I began to feel a little bit more at ease and relaxed at this point. So the, the boat stops. All the confident swimmers jump off the boat and you just see this mass of bodies floating in the sea as they're snorkeling and just enjoying what they can see beneath the water. So it comes to my turn. I double check, I triple check, I quadruple check. My life jacket is on. And they said to me, right, you can see that the man's in the water waiting for you. He's got the ring. All you need to do now is step out and sit on this edge of the boat and put your arms up in the air like this and the man behind you is going to grab your wrists and just gently lower you into the water, and then you can reach out and grab the ring. So I sit down, I put my arms up, and it went exactly as they said. He lowered me gently into the water. I sort of got acclimatized to bobbing around, 
um, put my snorkel mask on and dip my head down just so that I could begin to get acclimatized with the water. And then I open my eyes and I am just in awe of what God has put down there that we don't get to see normally. And all the anxiety and the fears just disappeared because I was looking at this incredible sight in front of me. So the time came to get back on the boat and I felt so proud of myself because I knew how scared I was and that I was, I was going to chicken out and not do this. So we get on the boat, we go to the next stop, I know the drill. All the confident swimmers dive off the boat, they're off doing their thing. So check my jacket, all good. Come to the edge of the boat, sit down, put my arms up in the air and the man behind me grabs my wrists and throws me with force into the water. I plummeted below the surface. I don't know how far I plummeted, but enough for me to be utterly convinced I was dying. I had swallowed gallons and gallons of really salty water, and my life was flashing before my eyes. I even said, God, I'm coming. <laughs> Please feel free to laugh. I've got over this now, so it's all good. Um, I was just so focused on what was going wrong in that moment. I forgot the fact that I had previously done this, maybe 20 minutes earlier, my life jacket kept me afloat, it kept me safe, the man in the water kept me safe, the ring kept me safe. But all I could focus on was what had gone wrong in that split second. It hadn't been the way I wanted it to be. And I allowed that fear to dominate the rest of that trip because I could not regulate my breathing. I was so upset. The man in the water saying to me, are you okay when I eventually bobbed up, which is probably only two seconds if we were honest, but it felt like minutes to me. No, I'm not okay. I'm crying, I'm screaming, I'm shouting, I'm so upset. And I turned around, climbed back up the ladder and got on the boat. And I missed the second time what was underneath the water. And I stayed on that boat then for the rest of the day until we got back to shore. Because I chose to focus on my fears and totally ignore the fact that I was wearing safety, that I was wearing protection, that there was a man in the water to reach out and grab me if anything went wrong. But I chose not to see that. I chose to dwell in my fear in that moment. We're not promised a trouble-free, storm-free life. You are familiar with this passage in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, and it says this, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials. There was no joy for me when I fell in that trial. <laughs> no joy whatsoever. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance. And that endurance leads to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let the endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. There is a purpose to the storm. Often as Christians, we tend to wear this hat that says, when I'm in a difficult situation, when I'm experiencing the waves crashing into my boat, 
that I am going to stand up and rebuke it, but I'm going to rebuke it as something that should never have been allowed in my life, that it was wrong for me to have experienced that. But the reality is that Jesus called his disciples, come into this boat, come with me to the other side, knowing full well there was a storm between the two sides. And he invites the disciples in and deliberately takes them into a storm because there was a purpose to it. There was something he wanted them to see, something he wanted them to understand. You see, a storm brings disruption. If you've seen the devastating hurricanes that happen across the world where trees just fall over and houses get demolished, it clears the way. And in the Bible, we have a lot of patterns and parallels in the Old Testament and New Testament. And symbolically, often, not always, but often, the large expanse of water is used to symbolize things like death and chaos and evil and all of those things that can sometimes get in the way of us experiencing the things that God wants us to experience, enjoying the blessings that he has for us. Just a few examples we have in Genesis, the story of Noah. And we know that the world was so wicked that God used a flood to wipe out everyone and everything other than Noah and his family and those that were saved in the ark. We have the Israelites fleeing Egypt and the oppression of slavery in Exodus 14, where the Red Sea was parted so that they could pass and get away from the oppression. And then the waters closed back in on the Egyptians and killed them. And then in Joshua 3, we have um, the Jordan River being stopped by God at both ends so that they could pass through with the Ark of the Covenant to the Promised Land. But maybe one of the most familiar stories is the story of Jonah. And the similarities here between Jonah and this passage are really strong. So we have Jonah who has been given a directive from God. I want you to do this for me. I want you to go and preach in Nineveh. Jonah decides he doesn't want to do that. And so he turns around. He goes the opposite direction. He finds himself a boat that he can get on so that he can escape. And he jumps into that boat, finds himself a nice little corner, and goes to sleep. And then as the boat sets sail, a storm begins to brew. The crew get concerned. They get frightened. And people begin to understand that there is something significant happening here. There is something spiritually happening here. Someone has done wrong by God. They find Jonah asleep. They wake him up. And Jonah begins to confess what he has done. The fact that God has asked him to do something and he has completely walked away from that. And the only way that this can be settled, the only way that this storm can be dealt with is if you throw me overboard. In that moment, sin had to be dealt with in order for the storm to be calmed. And if we then jump to the story in Mark 4, Jesus has been woken up by the disciples who have turned around and said, teacher, don't you care about us, that we're dying? He stands up and he shows them firstly a physical miracle. And it wasn't just the disciples in the boat because remember it said that there were other people on the shoreline who jumped in boats and followed them. So there were other boats on that area of water. So he shows them this physical miracle of speaking, using the authority that he has over his creation and commanding it to be still. 
But then what he also shows them is his identity, not as uh, Jesus the teacher, but as Jesus Lord and Saviour. And he speaks to the very thing that represents death and destruction for them and silences it for good. And we know that in just a short period of time, in the Gospels, we know that Jesus then pays the ultimate price on the cross so that death and destruction is dealt with once and for all. So what was on the other side of the lake? Well, if we look at chapter 5 of Mark, it tells us that there was a man that was really possessed with so many different demons. It was called a legion of demons. And as they arrived at the shore, Jesus steps out of the boat and the man approaches him and the demons within the man address Jesus as Jesus, Son of God, the Lord Most High. Even the demons knew who Jesus was and represented. Jesus needed the disciples to hear that, to understand who he was in that, because that was the very thing that he showed them in the middle of that storm. I just ask the worship team to come and join me, because we'll worship a little bit more in a moment. So what can we take from this passage that can help us deal with those storms and trials that we are going to face, that we are currently facing? The first thing that I want to point out is that peace doesn't come from the absence of a storm. Jesus knew the storm was coming. Jesus invited people to go into the storm. And Jesus slept in the storm. He wasn't phased by it. He was at complete peace in that storm because he knew the authority that he carried. He knew that he was in complete control. We are guaranteed to encounter trials and storms. And God has promised to never leave you or forsake you, to not desert you in that storm. He's there all the time. What is it that you are choosing to focus on? Is it the waves crashing over your boat, filling it up? Are you like me, just concentrating on that fear element? No, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. This is going to go wrong. Because I forgot to see who was in the water with me. I forgot to see what I was wearing that would protect me, that which was there for my security and safety. We have to remind ourselves of the very things that God has already done, however small or large they are, those moments where he reveals glimpses of himself, those moments where he explains and intervenes miraculously in your life. Choose to focus on those things, on his goodness, on his strength. You know, we've been singing today, I'm going to raise a hallelujah, and I'm going to sing in the middle of my storm. If I'm singing and praising God in the middle of the the storm, then I can't be focused on my fear that is going to choke me and bring about destruction. I'm going to declare that fear has lost its hold on me. And my singing of hallelujah and God's declaration of control is going to be louder than any unbelief that I may have. The disciples wavered in that boat that day. There's no question about that. They were human beings 
who were expressing their fears and concerns. But Jesus didn't abandon them. He didn't turn around and say, I can't believe you guys. You deserve to perish in the storm. No, he stood up despite the fact that they didn't believe and despite the fact that they accused him of not caring and not loving him. And he still took control and dealt with the situation to show who he was to them. God wants you to cross to the other side of your lake. Whatever that may be, whatever that may look like, he's asking you to go to the other side. And there's a pretty sure chance that there's something between the two shorelines that is going to be a learning opportunity for you. Are you going to approach the storm as though it's something that should never be allowed? Or are you going to approach it as something that God does allow because he wants to show more of himself to you? He wants to build endurance, which builds spiritual maturity, which gives you inner peace in that storm. I want to invite you to stand and we're going to declare who God is in this next worship song. And then I'm going to come back and I want to lead you in two main areas of response to this message. Let Jesus show you his authority in this storm. Thanks, guys. Yes, Lord, we thank you that you are Lord of all. Father, we thank you that in this storm, you are still Lord. For some of us, the reality that we need to embrace today is not teacher, don't you care? But it's Lord, I'm trusting you where I'm at right now. Because for all I know, you may have led me to this storm because you want to show me more of yourself. And maybe your response this morning is about saying, God, I want to address that frame of mind that is not as it should be. Yes, you teach me things, but I need to see you as Lord and Savior who's in control in this moment. That this is not a punishment for me, this is a growth, maturity, opportunity for me. If you resonate with that, just quietly begin to put that right before God this morning. It may just be a simple prayer of God, I'm sorry for not seeing who you have been in this storm. That still small voice that is there to make sure that I don't perish. And I need to remind myself of that today. Just let him fill you with his peace. Let him frame the way that you see each trial. And maybe it's time to stop running away from those difficult situations. Maybe God has asked you, it's time to get in the boat and go to the other side, whatever that other side looks like for you. And maybe you've been doing a Jonah 
Maybe you've been going away from that because you didn't feel comfortable with that. Because you know that it may involve discomfort. It may involve uncertainty. But God does not ask you to do anything that is going to cause you to perish. He's not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to equip you to do. He is your life jacket, your ring, your lifeguard in the water. And you have to remember that today. And stop running from the things that God wants you to step into. Lord, I just pray for every person here today that you would release greater revelation of who you are in these difficult times. Lord, that we would embrace difficulty as an opportunity to dig in deeper to you rather than run away from the things that you ask us to do. You are our cornerstone. And we choose today to focus on you, that you are the calm in our storm. Lord, I just pray a blessing over each one here today. I pray that you would continue to speak and minister to them, that they would feel your presence, that they would feel your peace. Despite what may be crashing around them, pray your blessing. I pray your strength and your equipping on each one today, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Amen.